Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Channel Perspective. I'm your host, Justin Land, and today I have with me the channel, Daniel Rodriguez. Hello, Daniel. Hey, how are you doing, Justin? Doing good, doing good. Thank you for being on the show. And I know you, like many of the channels I've gotten to know through the Joshua Abundance uh, Bootcamp uh, and um, the teachings of Joshua with Gary. And I heard about, I saw you a little bit in the, the group meetings and your questions for Joshua, know you through that. And uh, I found out you also during this time in the last few months, I would say, I, guess, I don't know when you started exactly to channel, but it's, it's, it's actually popped up as a process of as part of this um, bootcamp process or during that time uh, that you became aware of it. And uh, maybe you can tell us a little bit about your, yeah, how did, How'd you become aware that you're a channel? What was the process? Sure. So, I mean, I would really begin with emphasizing that we're all channels. Everybody is a channel, right? So, um, but specifically in my case, I would say that um, I took uh, the boot camp, the Joshua's boot camp uh, last summer. And kind of at that time, and even really kind of a little bit before, um, some things would come to me that I would write out, um, even as text messages, like to people, that really felt like it was coming from a different place than just my own mind, right? Um, or just something outside of me. So um, when I started the boot camp, I did notice, especially um, leading up to the retreat, because I did go to the Joshua retreat that happened in um, October 2019 last year. Um, that these little things were coming in more and more. And I even had a couple of discussions at the retreat and showed people a couple of these things. And they said, yeah, that's totally channeled. And I mean, because I didn't really know uh, channeling was all new to me. Um, I really, quite frankly, prior to taking the boot camp, I wasn't even aware of what channeling was, to be honest, uh, in this context, right? <laughs> so, but what I would really say um, were it really ratcheted up or uh, expanded was um, when our mutual friend, Isabel Simmerman, um, did some regression work with me uh, remotely. And um, after that first session, I was, it was just amazing. Um, suddenly, uh, she and I were kind of dialoguing after that back and forth. Um, but I was really just starting to channel things initially for her and they were very esoteric and they were really like bringing in mythology and just uh, different things um and but at that point i didn't have the name the oracle i had not received that name um but whenever um it was funny a couple of days afterward uh after the uh session um, and actually, let me just kind of pause here just for a moment. So um, what I did was is called uh, quantum healing hypnosis technique. Uh, so those in the spiritual community would recognize that as uh, the work of Dolores Cannon. Mm -hmm. um, it was was very famous um, past life regressionist who got a lot of information and published many, many books. Very fascinating. Um, but at any rate, uh, so I was in the shower. <laughs> Um, a couple of mornings after, and it was kind of like, you know, you wake up and it's sort of that in-between moment when you wake up refreshed, you know, you don't have anywhere to be early, 
So I was like, you know, I got up. I was like, okay, I'm going to take a shower, start my day. And then when I was in the shower, I received, um, in my mind, you know, in my voice, but outside of me, we are the oracle. Hmm. I was like, wow. <laughs> and that was just so fascinating to me because I had wanted really to um, have a name for the uh, whatever energy that I was channeling. But um, I, during the um, session with Isabel, they said, um, we're not yet yet ready to reveal the name. And I thought, okay, it might be six months. It might be a year. No, it was a couple of days later. And I really believe that it's not by accident that it happened in the shower because um, if you really think about a shower, that's water alchemy, right? Because mm -hmm. water has a different resonance than we do as you know, our bodies. And um, I mean, it's no accident that we do our best thinking in the shower. There's just something about being underwater that submerges us, even if not, we're not underwater, it's still that energy, right? Mm -hmm. So that's really kind of where things took off. And for me also, it's not an accident because I really feel a deep soul connection to the Mediterranean. Um, I have vague remembrances of the past life in Egypt. Um, yes. Um, and it's something I'd like to explore more, but yes, I have a very uh, deep connection to the Mediterranean. So to me, the fact that I attracted the name, the Oracle, um, really makes a lot of sense, really. That's, it's uh, very interesting because I've, I've, I've read some of your channelings and the, the messages you've received, you posted on Facebook, and you have uh, discussed the Oracle and Delphi. Yes. And, that, 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 and that's, and the the oracle as your with your channeling seems to make reference that that was them as well of some sort of that energy of some sort, and uh, I found it very interesting to put in that kind of historical perspective, uh, you know, and you know, do you uh, does that kind of spice in it up a little bit for you as well, and like because well, it's part of your interest. Um, I would say, well, let me just explain first. And, and also, I forgot to mention a part of the timeline here is that um, I started uh, this channeling in uh, December of 2019, just last year. So just to give right. you some context. But uh, when I attracted the name The Oracle, initially, and I've told this to Isabel, I was very, um, I didn't want to be too specific and too literal about it. Um, because to me, uh, I was really tapping into just the vibration of what was coming to me and just uh, through my filters um, and everything else. But at a certain point, probably you know, a few weeks ago, I was like, well, it might be interesting to uh, channel about the Oracle at Delphi. Mm -hmm. um, it would be very illuminating for me, but also I, I just to make that deeper connection. Mm -hmm. And because it's like they kept encouraging me, I kept getting that, you know, okay, okay, you know. <laughs> and uh, there were, so the, the, the impetus or the, the inspiration, your, I guess your persona has an interest in the historical aspect. And they were also saying, well, we can, we, that kind of spurned them on the, the to, or where did the, where the inspiration come from, would you say? Well, right. So, I would say it kind of was more them than me because, um, again, I really started with just being very open about whatever was coming to me um, and really 
also too because I didn't want to kind of um, constrict the energy to like okay that we're going to be very literal it's about the oracle you know history and everything else but at some point um, again it's just like I just started attracting that inspiration and I really think it was them uh, because just to kind of demystify mm -hmm. uh, what the oracle is um, and I mean uh, there was I I mean, since I was a child or, you know, in school, had heard about the Oracle um, at Delphi, but, you know, didn't know anything about it. But, yeah, I would say it was kind of more them wanting to bring that forth uh, through my filter, but they downloaded to me uh, the things that they wanted to discuss. I mean, I had a very baseline understanding of where it was going to go, but the, the beauty of the channeling process is when you um, – sit down or in my case because I my channeling is through writing um, it just is fascinating what comes through uh, because uh, and they had me say okay go go research about it but we're gonna bring forth through you the metaphysical themes because mm. uh, I go through a lot of that and in all of the five posts that I've done this week about the Oracle I found that interesting because I, I did notice that you had some quotes and historical elements that I, I assumed were not from direct no I, I didn't yeah. yeah yes but I found that very enlightening and I see what you mean it, the, the mix I like the mix of it because um, you know there's channeling that's you know uh, a freestyle kind of and then there's you know with certain archetypes uh, channeling sometimes there's channeling with extra dimensional beings or things with yes. certain en entities that may have existed and and I get something from each of these channels, a little bit of a different perspective. And what I like about going back to Delphi and the idea, where, what did other, we're going into an, coming into an age where channeling is becoming normal uh, again, but it was normal in other cultures, a bit like maybe Egyptian and Greek culture. They did have Correct. a place for these people and they were esteemed. I mean, uh, obviously the, the conditions, you know, breathing those fumes and, uh, perhaps not the most conducive for you know longevity, but uh, there were respect and people did take seriously what these um, channels, mediums, oracles, what they, the information they brought forth. And I, I wondered, like in our new age, can we look back at that and, and at least see how perhaps that can be integrated a bit, again into a normal society that we can usually actually go to channels and look for a little bit of guidance. Right. So the journey now is, is not so much a physical one. And I would, I would explain this at this point in, is that our collective energetic focus, if you will, at this time is to ascend to the fourth, which we're really, um, at least um, from my understanding, in the lower fourth dimension as a collective, but then going to the fifth dimension and, and really starting to get into the nonlinear realm. But back then, humanity was really just solidly in the third dimension. And so having to go and travel um, many miles or kilometers, I guess you're in Europe, <laughs> um, to visit an oracle, I mean, that, that was really where mankind was at that day, um, at that time, I, I should say. And now I really feel like the seeker, because that's the archetype that really um, we all are, is the seeker. All of those of us in the new thought, or if you want to call it new age or consciousness community, law of attraction community, um, we are spiritual seekers. 
And that spiritual seeking doesn't necessarily entail us having to, to travel anywhere physically. It's just that uh, spiritual travel. Mm-hmm. And it's that attraction of, of information from many different places, even from dimensions and realms outside of um, our solar system, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at Bashar, I mean, or, you know, there's many channels who channel um, angels, for example, yeah, the angelic realm. Mm-hmm. But there is something that um, I would like to actually discuss at this point is that, so I know that in our community, people have very fixed ideas sometimes about what a channel is and what a channel is not. So, um, and on the one hand, people say, well, um, anybody can channel. But then if you talk about channeling with the capital C, then suddenly it's like, no, you know, if they're not in a trance state, that's not channeling, you know, quote unquote. And what I would really explain about that is that, um, for example, let's look at some of the famous channels. You have Esther Hicks, who channels Abraham. Okay. Sheila Gillette, um, even before her, channeling Theo. Um, And they have their eyes open when they're channeling. Okay, but then you look at Lee Harris who channels disease or Daryl Anka who channels bizarre, very I mean, well-known channels and they channel with their eyes closed. Um, some channels um, are consciously aware, kind of in the background the entire time they're trans-channeling or channeling and other ones uh, don't remember anything, you know. So I really think there's this spectrum and that's what the Oracle talks about. There's a spectrum of energy with everything. And that spectrum you can think of as a bridge. And we're really all somewhere on that bridge. I, through my channeling, are somewhere on that bridge. So, so how would you describe your channeling then? So you're, are you taking a backseat, your persona, or what is what's uh, happening? No, no I, it's just really, to, and my definition of channeling is really starts with just opening yourself. Um, just kind of uh, not, because we're kind of hardwired as human beings to understand what or rather to perceive through our five senses to make sense of the world around us. It's kind of just like um, getting into alignment really spiritually and just opening up uh, yourself. So, but for me, it really comes through with the writing. And again, I mean, sometimes I will sit down um, to channel about something and they've given me downloads and I start to write it out and something comes through. But I also, um, I've talked about this with Isabel, um, I, for me, it's kind of like the potter's wheel. So, you know, um, when I'm channeling, it's kind of like I'm touching it and, and molding it, right? right? Because I, they give me the download of whatever is going to be uh, discussed in the writing, but then I bring my energy to it. I really believe it's a co-creative process, and I believe this to be true for any channel. I mean, you have five. 10 people who channel Mary Magdalene and it's going to be, you know, variances with that channeling, for example. Right. No, absolutely. That's a, there's a, it's a blending of energies, obviously, and a grounding yes. of it. So I would say that the formless is non-physical. It doesn't have a form and we we're here to give it a certain definition and form of, so the download to different people would have be interpreted differently in a different kind of form, like a, a vase, you know, the shape would be, your vase would look different than somebody else. Exactly. It would be the same, maybe the same energy overall, the message of some sort, but how that's expressed um, is 
is the creative aspect, the co-creation, I would say, absolutely. That I think that's a great um, analogy with uh, the potter's wheel. I think that for people yes. who try to understand what's going on, anybody who's created art is also channeling. You know, they're obviously, uh, if they allow themselves, you know, to get into that flow, um, you know, it's, that's when the great work happens, you know, and everybody, I think any artist or musician talks about that. And uh, yes, that's the channeling state, right? Yes, that's the channeling state. And then, I mean, you look at actors, um, what they call method acting, where they really get into that character to where they are, in essence, being whoever it is that they're portraying in the film uh, and stay in that state, you know, just to really get the um, acting through, for example. I mean, that's one thing. But I mean, if you look at artists, uh, again, I mean, I love uh, art from the Baroque period uh, mm -hmm. with some, some of these biblical themes because, I mean, the fascinating paintings, but um, how one depicts, like, um, uh, well, just different things um, in paintings, and one artist, but uh, it's just so such a different energy when you look at the painting than other artists, for example. No, yeah. You, uh, yeah, you know, it isn't very... You know, that's, uh, I think, I mean, music is a, for me also, mm, there's something yes. very interesting about, like, if you don't like an art form like country music and you like just rock, you know, but you just can't get into that feeling of country music, you can still, by analogy, analogy kind of understand the passion that's the energy that's flowing through the individual who's grooving to, to that. And you're like, I can feel that, although mm -hmm. not to that object that make we're so unique you know in that respect but the energy itself of you know expression of excitement creativity and and movement right. uh, i think that we all can get to that space with something and uh, yes. that something's for each of us very different isn't it oh it definitely is and, and also too that's fascinating uh, speaking about musicians who uh, performing concerts for example is that um, if you notice, they really get into the lyrics, they close their eyes. And it's really similar to, I mean, a, a channeler who closes their eyes to channel. It's just, you know, you somehow by shutting off one of your five physical senses, it, it's like you're getting more into that deeper state of it. I mean, I, I thought I had noticed that too. Like, you know, why have I never really thought about that? Why do people close their eyes sometimes when they're really into that? you know, melody or, or the, the lyrics or whatever. Absolutely. So. That, I mean, Stevie Wonder, Ray Charles are great examples of this because oh, being exactly. blind, how, how, they, I think part of it had to do, they could, they didn't give a shit, you know, like <laughs> part of it is when you close your eyes, you don't care what people, how people are looking at you, you know, and that's such a relief and allows one to be more authentic. So when you look at, those guys are smiling all the time. When you look at Ray Charles play, you can literally see, unhindered expression in his yes. form you know he's not you know other people says it looks strange in the beginning it was probably very bizarre you know but it became accepted and embraced you know like that's art and that's 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 freedom and but he couldn't have done that in that way if he had you know eyes that worked that that got distracted with that person yeah. in the corner who, who was looking like they're not happy you know then you're like you change your music try to make that person happy maybe you know right and and really those two artists um, are timeless um true i mean just revered 
worldwide, uh, mm -hmm. their music is. And um, I would say, of course, I mean, that was part of their soul contract was to be blind, uh, for the music to flow so much more and to really resonate with, I mean, just across cultures. But again, if you look at that, I mean, it's, it's never just one thing, right? Because another artist um, could be revered uh, worldwide and they, they don't have to be blind. But oh. specifically being blind in, in this case, there's some kind of energetic connection, right? So again, it's that spectrum. It's um, different ways to tap into that deeper, you know, just really resonant uh, vibration. Right. No, the we get distracted by the visuals a lot as human beings. That's like if I were to say, it's probably I don't know what spirit thinks about this, but I think it's it seems like it's the last step is the visual. You know, what I mean, like if we think of uh, you know you have sound interpretations, um, smell taste and feeling but the the actual feeling is if you were it's all quantum of course but i would say that that's the fundamental core of a lot of this like the, what you see in front of you in this reality the visuals it seems to me like um often it's the thing that happens last you know and it's like it's not as much at the core of the essence of who we are you know it's it's uh, i don't know what you feel about that but that's you know, I would say that we're hard. Oh, I'm sorry. No, um, no, no, I would, no. <laughs> we're hardwired um, as human beings to um, a certain aesthetic to things. I mean, it, it can something can be functional, but we want it to look beautiful, mm -hmm. you know, or to have a nice curve to it or something. But um, I, I just think that you're right. It's that it's kind of that last thing that we, or first thing, we expect things to look a certain way. Right. Um, that's really, I mean, if, if you just sit, sat down in the forest and someone led you there blindfolded and you sat down and you heard the beautiful birds and felt the breeze on your skin and, uh, you know, maybe smelled the earth, um, but you weren't able to actually take off the blindfold and look at the trees, I, most people would walk away from that feeling a little bit empty because they want to see it. Hmm. You know? Right. Um, and really with, with spirituality, um, and I've channeled about this with Isabel, um, sometimes you do have to close your physical two eyes to then open up your third eye. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and, and, and maybe not um, physically closing your eyes, but just to kind of go, okay, I have this perception of what I'm seeing in front of me, um, but it's just my perception. So let me close my eyes and through my third eye, energetically understand what that energy is all about. That's the, the division is with the two, you know, it's, it's the duality aspect that yes. brings confusion why people would kind of fall into the illusion so easily is, you know, we're creating it the, and the oneness is always with us, but it takes those moments of, reflection you know at least in a sense closing the eyes a bit not being distracted by the flashing and the distractions that happen in our reality and just realize we're in the now there is only the now we're all one united and and that's contradictory to you know what we feel we feel as time and space are but we have that knowingness and 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 
Yeah. It's, it's that jump for people when they make that, that time to go inwards and cause you're not going to believe it until you really see it with your inner, uh, you're not all this mumbo jumbo is just for many people just mumbo jumbo until they get it themselves. Right. I mean, well, yes, but also too. Um, so spiritual people, we're really um, on a journey to end up at a place, at least in the physical plane, where we're more just the witness and the observer to things, right? Mm. In a lot of cases. So, so part of that too is suspending the judgments, okay? Mm. And you don't, again, I mean, seeing something gives you information. I mean, we were given eyes for a reason, right? True. Um, in this reality, but tapping into that I'm the witness and observer or something is really seeing and allowing all that is to really permeate you as a person um, and not judge or, you know, and again, what the beautiful teaching of Joshua, there is no wrong anywhere in the universe. Um, so really just understanding what are the different layers of this, mm. you know, um, how is this different perception of reality that seems different from me? How is that right? Um, and I mean, that really does take you into that witness and observer um, state of being. No, and that's our ultimate creator state as well, because um, it's the, the thing when people think about law of attraction and they think about magic, they think I want that Bugatti car just to appear, you know, like, why isn't it here right now with the visuals and of course the driving and everything. But the, the point is, you know, our creatorship is more this allowing aspect and matching up to a Bugatti or that feeling state, you know, where we don't even need the, the, the metaphysics, the meta, we don't even need the object necessarily to confirm, confirm that. Uh, but some, I don't know what you think about that. Well, um, I would say, first of all, it's so funny that people automatically want to go to the luxury item, yeah. you know, with their wish list. Um, it could be small things. Now, if you can't attract, or well, let me say not can't, because that, the languaging is not uh, matching what I really mean by this, but attracting that kind of an object or into your reality when you haven't even attracted small things. Um, I've watched interviews when they talk about, um, angel, sorry, uh, parking lot angels, right? Mm, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, it's going to be busy at the grocery store. Um, you know, so just imagine here in America, these giant parking lots just full of cars mm -hmm. <laughs> and you know, it's just kind of like you just put in your wish. Okay. I, I, I'd prefer to park close to the front of the store, but if, if it doesn't happen, I'm, I'm fine. I come off. You know, right. thankfully, you know, hopefully for most people, they can do that. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, and little things. And I'm sure this happens to you. Like yesterday, um, I was with a friend at the grocery store, just getting a few things. I had spent the day with him and um, I wanted cantaloupe uh, for lunch, you know, uh, something refreshing for the summertime. And we went to look at the cantaloupes, but they just did not look good. They were not ripe. Um, and it's like, okay, no. And then I thought we were getting ready to check out and I thought, let me go look and see if they have any cut cantaloupe, right? But I wasn't going to be devastated if they didn't have cantaloupe. Mm -hmm. But um, I went over to the cut fruit section and there was just one case left, um, right. you know, plastic box of mm -hmm. cantaloupe. And it was just one left. And I thought, 
and I, you know, had that moment of gratitude. Oh, this is for me. Thank you. You know? So if you're not in that state of gratitude and appreciation for just the little things in life, how could you possibly attract, you know, like a Bugatti or, you know, Lamborghini or whatever you want or a luxury house or yacht or whatever into your reality. It's, it's really starting off with just the, uh, be grateful and thankful and appreciative, but you have to do it consciously to just really start to get that wheel spinning. I agree. The It's an interesting jump. I mean, uh, with Joshua's teachings, he often focuses on, you know, not, I mean, the intention is, is important. I think what he's often the work is dealing with the limiting beliefs first. So the allowing aspect and, and the to first to shrink the limiting belief around worthiness that one is for, for example worthy of these objects or of attention or admiration to uh and those are the meaning beliefs that we all have we had since we we're younger kids growing up when our parents said we shouldn't be like this or that when we when we were very disappointed right and yeah um, and then, then once we uh, loosen up those limiting beliefs, we kind of allow our natural, you know, our like what the Abraham talks about, our vortex is full of all this stuff anyways. We've already sent out enough that we can be lifetimes. Uh, and the actual intention is a very interesting thing because it does, it shouldn't be with necessarily effort, like, you know, and, and, and like the, the, the appreciation should come out of a natural space, you know, like you really are appreciative. You can't just like just say you're appreciative. You have to, and it does, and I think there is a switch, like becoming a more aware and then you begin to see, oh, okay, I was always taken care of. Uh, I've always had enough uh, to explore whatever I wish to explore. And the Bugatti, for example, I don't even need it to explore what I want. It would, it would, it would be an example of more insurance, more, you know, worrying, worrying, I'll park the damn thing. You know, like these type of issues I didn't even think about before. And that's why spirit might have been like, that's not a good thing for you to explore now. Uh, you think you want it. Justin or whoever, uh, but you really well, don't. you want the feeling of it, right? Exactly. So it's always the feeling. You know, you imagine yourself driving that uh, fancy car. What does that feel like? Well, there's different ways to have that feeling, you know? I mean, you could be, um, I don't know, taking a cruise in Alaska and, and just standing there looking at the water and feeling the breeze or whatever, and you may attract that same feeling. So it's, it's really getting what, like what our friend Isabel uh, says, getting loosey-goosey about it, you know, what is the feeling that I really want, right? But I would say too that um, all of this, um, we're born with all of this already in our vibration, Mm -hmm. okay? Because really and truly to feel good is our birthright as we're taught by Joshua, Mm -hmm. right? But um, a lot of that natural vibration, it it just can't manifest anything because, we just have these worthiness and validation issues or we think that, Oh, if I have a bigger house or a fancier car, people are going to like me more. So we, we really get in our own way of, of letting that natural manifestation have happen. Right. And now um, going back to the Oracle, yes. uh, I would like to, uh, one of your articles was actually quite interesting because there was a, a, another analogy they used or a way of looking at um, reality. Maybe you can explain the, the idea of the tennis court. Uh, you wrote that, and I found that uh, to be a very interesting perspective on emotions and feelings uh, coming from right. others. And maybe Right. 
So in a lot of this, when I get the downloads, what I call them, um, sometimes they're just pictures. And um, I got a couple of months ago, months ago actually, um, this picture of a tennis court that the Oracle wanted me to use as a analogy for feelings and emotions. So, and part of it is, um, it creative visualization is, is really um, an interesting way to open yourself up. Sometimes, I mean, we're in this body, right? We're living our everyday lives. Sometimes it's really hard for us to contemplate things without using an analogy or imagining ourselves as something different. So I thought it was really funny. We, do, we don't want to imagine you to imagine yourself as another person or an animal, not even a rock. Imagine yourself as a flat surface. You're a tennis court, right? You have these two uh, tennis players come onto the court. You know, it's like Wimbledon or something, right? <laughs> right. And so they're going to play this match. And one of them, let's say, is having a really awesome day. Yeah, they just proposed um, to their partner uh, to get married. Um, they're already thinking and planning their honeymoon. You know, life really seems wonderful. And then the other player's having a not so great day. So the other player um, is on the brink of divorce. Uh, the other player got sustained a tennis injury um, months ago, and it was a difficult recovery, right? So they're coming onto the court with two different uh, vibrations, you know, one that's overwhelmingly positive, one that's negative, right? Um, so then they, you're the tennis court. And from your perspective, you don't care who wins or who loses, right? You're just there to service the tennis court. But um, the, with the way that energy works, every time somebody swings at that ball, their energy is transferring onto that tennis ball, right? So when that tennis ball bounces on the court, um, it's going to have a fundamental, fundamentally positive um residents or a negative one right so the thing though is that we think that oh i would only want to feel um the ball bouncing from the positive uh aspect of the, the tennis player that just got engaged to be married right um i don't want to feel the negative ones because in it and and we're using these as symbols for emotions right, right. but if you think about it when that tennis ball hit, hits uh the court it bounces as soon as it hits you, it bounces away. Emotions are the same thing. We have this idea like, oh, God, I'm having a crappy day, for example, right? Everything it just seems just really negative. And, oh, what, you know, I just went outside and I had a flat tire and all this and all that. Because we're just staying in that state. But if you realize that everything bouncing off of you is bouncing away just as quickly then it's a way to, to just really neutralize that energy mm -hmm. and not to let it just kind of stick with you, right? Um, so that was really, for me, the beautiful um, thing that came through about the imagining ourselves as tennis courts. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I so, did I get that. it correctly? You got the image before you had an explanation downloaded. Exactly. You saw, like, what the hell is this? And I've had images, too, come to me where, like, yes. later I kind of realized what it meant, but it's like... Uh, and then you fleshed it out and then I found it's, you know, I never heard of that kind of description. It's very, very unique. And I think it's, it, it has an interesting aspect because you don't want to hold on to the positive either. You wanted to let it, exactly. you yeah. want to let it go. You, yes. It's, this is all about the contrast also. And it's all, also about 
the, the multiplicity of feelings and emotions. We, we're here for it all, I think, in many ways, right? I mean, well, and, and also, too, it's like when you have a positive manifestation in your life or you're really feeling good one day, um, you don't have to, quote unquote, hang on to that. Right. Uh, because it because just like that tennis ball is bouncing during the match there's going to be other balls bouncing you're going to get more positive right mm -hmm. so you don't have to think like oh god i wish every day were like this because it really is like this and i need to really hang on to this and, and see this is the other thing too people think when they look back at positive experiences uh, and, and people do this for example if a loved one passes away and they have a fond memory of positive memory of doing something with this person you know like their mother or friend or whoever oh i wish i had enjoyed that day so much more no you enjoyed that day um perfectly as you were intended to enjoy that day and there's going to be other days with other people or, or with yourself you know so you don't have to hang on to it and for dear life you know anytime that you attract a positive uh, state or vibration that's a, I mean, many people don't understand that they, there's also the idea of pumping up the positive, which can, you know, become kind of artificial, you know, and, yes. and I think this kind of speaks to, we want to go with that natural flow, which will always, our vibrations are always going up higher and higher that, you know, overall our experiences, I think are becoming more and more positive or we're seeing more positive, but there always will be the negative there, but it will just knowing they'll bounce off us in the next moment. And we can appreciate the positive even more. You wouldn't appreciate it if you didn't have the negative, you know, that's part of right. the deal, I think. Um, so, um, but one thing too with this, um, I'm reminded of, um, and I haven't really channeled about this in writing yet, but um, when I first connected with the Oracle, they really stressed the importance of shadow work, uh, what we call shadow work in our community. And, so the way that I understand it is like, let's say that you're standing and the sun is shining on you, right? So, so we're using that as positivity or whatever. That sun shining on you casts a shadow. There's all this information here in the shadow, but we don't, we want to stay away from the shadow. You know, for example, in uh, fairy tales, you know, there's like, they go through the dark woods and it's really scary, right? <laughs> and it's like, no, I don't want to be in the dark woods. <laughs> But there's information there, yes. right, for, for us to, to really understand life, to grow that appreciation for the positive, but also to integrate um, all of this energy through our life, right? So that, uh, I actually sent you a question in the very beginning. You were giving out, uh, you're allowing people to send you. Yes. Yeah. I don't know if you remember the question. I was asking as, you know, a lot of channels and a lot of the work is talks. And you mentioned, of course, the idea of perfection and you talk about everything is perfect. And I was like, a lot of people are not going to agree with the assertion that reality is that their reality is perfect. And I asked the Oracle and, and you wrote a very, I thought a very nice, good answer that, you know, um, which you actually intend, I think like, um, and you intend something to happen and it's never going to be exactly like you think it's going to be. Um, like your car, maybe you're driving and your car breaks down, for example, and you think it's a bad thing. So it's, it's not perfect, but you would, if you, if it didn't break down, you wouldn't have met the love of your life, for example. And, and, that, and that was not the exact example the Oracle used. But, uh, right. I, don't know if I, you, I sort of remember it. Yeah. What do you think about um, this idea of perfection? Because like uh, it's for humans, it just, some people resist 
when this this topic of reality, you know, when there's people suffering and starvation, how in the hell is this perfect? I don't know with the Oracle maybe. Well, and, and I really think that there's generalizations, right? So, yeah. I mean, people talk about, oh, people starving in Africa. I mean, is every single person in Africa starving? No, you know? Um, and so it, I think a lot of those generalizations is, is what really gets us into um, that guilt, right? Um, and, and so really you start to tell the truth on things because the Oracle, at least uh, from my understanding and the way that the Oracle comes through me um, or what I attract from the Oracle and download from them is that um, it really is about um, just this uh, really taking a look at the truth of the matter and um, not generalizing in some cases like this and assuming things and, and really understanding that there is um, a deeper truth to things and, you know, not to feel guilty because somebody else is having a bad experience, quote unquote, because it's their sole contract. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and it, again, not limiting ourselves from what we can really enjoy uh, today in the present moment, because that's really all we have. Absolutely. No, um, no, I think it's, you're, you're at the start of something amazing. And, and like, yeah, I was really surprised because, you know, I, I can, I can, when I look at channel work, I can see where the level, and I think you come, what you're writing is very high level and, and um, I'm very appreciative of the information. It's definitely, I encourage you to keep on doing it. And I'm wondering if, you know, you're doing it right now, writing, and at some point you may be doing the, the trans channeling. These things, I think that they're, you know, um, uh, you know, but it comes out in some, it has to come out of you, right? Do you feel like that, 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 that there's that, that, I mean, how does that feel to you? Like, uh, I mean, exhilaration in the creation of this, you know, bringing forth this very unique and. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah it, it's a very positive experience, but with that, the, the true exhilaration is just my experience right. without the attachment of, how many people are going to click the like button or the heart right. you know, button on Facebook when I post these things? Because some things um, resonate more with the masses than others. I mean, Absolutely. when I did the five-part uh, series about the Oracle of Delphi, I noticed not too many people click the like button because it's very esoteric and very, very dense. But again, it's just not quantifying things, but just really feeling just the exhilaration, just for the pure um, and sheer beauty of having experienced that. Exactly. And I encourage to keep it up and uh, I hope, uh, well, I if it grows, it. if it grows, it grows. I mean, um, and uh, I think that's, uh, it's a very unique perspective and um, I think it, it goes to the people that are attracting that. And that's, yes. uh, that's all it needs to do. Uh, and Daniel, I'm, I'm very appreciative that you were able to make time for the show. And uh, well, thank you. It's truly my pleasure. Thank you, and uh, I yeah, wish you a good day. And it's in Houston, right? You're, yes, I'm in Houston. So I'm in humid Houston. <laughs> exactly. Our day is, uh, well, we're like 5 o'clock almost, so uh, it's going to the end. Here's the starting, and I wish you a wonderful day. Okay, and happy summer solstice to you. Oh, thank you. Yeah, you too. Man. Okay. All right, bye. Bye-bye.